welcome to Dwelling on Dreams. I am Taylor, a Ravenclaw. And I'm Victoria, a Hufflepuff. And we'd like to thank you for joining us as we take a deep dive into the Wizarding World and all of its inhabitants. And for all of you who haven't read the books or seen the movies, we would like to warn you that there are spoilers ahead. Today on Dwelling on Dreams, we are going to continue our series on the good and the bad of the Hogwarts headmasters that we know and love, minus Umbridge. Because there's no good there. But Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore, we Such are... Such an absolute statement. There is no good there. Yes. We all universally hate Umbridge. It's true. I think Umbridge is actually hated more than Voldemort. I think Like, so universally. Too. Universally hated more. Yeah. Fight me. Fight me on that. Because, like, no. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I don't think anybody likes Voldemort. No, so but it's hard I think to say everyone that not universally hates hated. Umbridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean... Hate loathes, loathes yeah. entirely. She's she's <laughs> evil without the excuse of being interesting. Yeah, no, that's good. That's clever. I like that. Voldemort is an interesting character study. He's complex. He's nuanced. He's powerful. Umbridge is just mm. awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, accurate. Neither of them, though, are the topics of our discussion today. We, we do are. this a lot. Yes. We started last time with the good side and admirable qualities of Albus Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And today we are going to engage in Dumbledore bashing. Yes, the bad and the ugly. We did the good. Bad and ugly. Yes. I will, from last time though, we had talked about which subject Dumbledore Oh yes, taught. our I, quiz. <laughs> I promise that Taylor creamed me. <laughs> I was going to say that. Yeah, uh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I said it for you. It's all good. I'll bet my flaws. Um, anyway, yeah. So I looked it up, and apparently, I mean, in original canon, yes, he taught Transfiguration. But yes, also, in Fantastic Beasts, he was teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts. So I, look, I read this article that was an interview with Jude Law, where he basically was kind of dodgy about it and mm-hmm. wasn't really like he said yes he's teaching defense against dark arts i can't like explain at this point in his career really this is what he's doing the books i mean i'm sure he'd been prepped for this by yeah like, i mean because she she talks to the actors about he you know their characters yeah. and motivations so he didn't seem surprised based on the quote i read by the question but he just was like i'm not at liberty to talk about exactly what's so maybe he's, you know, substituted for a year or something. No one's really quite sure mm-hmm. how all that happened. Yeah. So I, I am in, if it ends up being a conflict where there's no equally, it, we can't make both work somewhere later where they explain it in the movies, I will always stand by the books. Mm-hmm. That's just how it works. <laughs> and all, if you're new all the here... <laughs> Like, book trump's movie yes every time for... not that the movies are not enjoyable and good and we understand why some of the changes are there yeah but i mean that's just generic life lesson 99.9 percent of times the book will trump the movie although i will say my policy is as a overarching unless the rule, movie was done first is the original medium is the authoritative yes, one yes, so yes. that's why i gave it 99.9 yeah like star wars the movies, movies trump the books for me. I've true. never read the books, so it doesn't really matter to me. But if oh, it did, ninth I'd grade. still pick the movies because yeah. they were first. Kind of went on a binge of those, but it's all right. The books? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Eighth the rabbit grade. hole? Oh, way down. Way down the rabbit hole. Rescued myself. Pulled back out. <laughs> there Six. are hundreds. 
Oh, yeah. don't. Yeah. Mm -mm. Anyway, so Dumbledore was a transfiguration professor. Whether he took a year off to do DADA because something was wrong with Professor Mary thought, I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I will also say that I forgot to mention last week that among Dumbledore's admirable qualities, that he is witty and funny and enjoyable to read. <laughs> like, kind of like straight. That's true. Like, Especially in the first couple books. Yeah. He, he says things that are deliberately just nonsense. Because it amuses him to confuse people. Yes. And he's old. And he can get away with it. Yes. Like, I was thinking today about when he uh, leaves Harry alone with Slughorn the first time that he introduces them. And he comes back talking about knitting patterns, patterns in, the, in the magazine. Like, <laughs> only Dumbledore could say that and yeah. it seemed like in character. Yeah. It's very true. It's very true. So he's, But he's self-aware in what he does. So it makes it... Somewhat more amusing. Yeah, well, he, he knew he couldn't come back in there and really talk about what he wanted to talk about because he knew that wouldn't be met well yeah. with Slughorn. So well, let's just talk about something inane and have Slughorn bring up, you know, all the yeah. stuff. He enjoys putting people on the back foot by being innocuous. Yes, that's very true. Anyway, so that is all the good thing we're going to say about Dumbledore for the entire episode. We're just <laughs> no gonna... more. <laughs> that's if you, not true. That's... If you want more good things, go back to the last episode. <laughs> That's actually not true. Usually we do qualify statements in both we of do, these, we do. but we are both of us taking the stance this time that Dumbledore is evil and horrible and... Manipulative. Well, yeah, that's basically his defining characteristic. Mm. But before we get there, we're going to do some wit and wisdom. Woo! So, Dumbledore has a lot of things, <laughs> as we've said. Honestly, probably some of the best quotes are Dumbledore's. I mean, our show is named after a Dumbledore quote. Woo! going in direct opposition to what Dumbledore was saying, but still. But we did explain that in our first episode. Yes, so, so if you're that curious about why we're dwelling on Go way back. Not to. Down the time warp. <laughs> That's why. Um, but even that quote, when you think about it, it's, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Mm -hmm. um, it's an odd thing to say to the first time you ever meet an 11-year-old. Like, why would Dumbledore say that? I mean, obviously it was the immediate application was the mirror Pierre said. But it is a, it's not a life lesson you usually would try to impart, impart. on an impressionable mind. Yeah. The first it, time that you meet, really, really have like a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them. Yeah. Because he, I mean, the, that, that meeting is interesting also because Harry by that point had gotten to the point in his fame where he was not surprised by Dumbledore just addressing him and yeah. not. There's very few times after the first book that Harry's ever introduced to somebody or because everybody just knows who he is. So I think that might be the first time that he just accepts the fact that they know who he is. And yeah, the, the that's conversation true. moves on. That's a side note. I hadn't note. thought about that. Yeah. I I think about these things too much. <laughs> Why we have a podcast. Yeah. I, was, I was thinking about, like, when do we actually see Harry introducing himself to Ron? Yeah, because doesn't Ron introduce him to Hermione? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think so. I have to double-check. Oh, he does in, like, the... In the um, Tavern, doesn't he? He tries to introduce himself, and then somebody else is like, oh, we know who you are. Um, no, because Hagrid says, I'm oh, okay. bringing young Carrie to take his That's right, that's right. Cool. This is way off topic, but it's just, like, I think about these things more than I should. But Yeah. Not often. Yeah. Here, and people don't interest him either. They just know. They just know. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he does have this big scar on his forehead. When you can see it through his hair. Yeah, I know. But it must be kind of weird. And I, I, I imagine it, like, kind of creates a sort of 
entitled, like, not entitlement, but, like, if Harry was ever put in a situation where no one knew his name, like, it must, like, it would be a weird adjustment to, yeah, I'm Harry Potter. I mean, back in the muggle <laughs> nice world, you. obviously, yeah. you know, like, yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. sure that would be like, oh, yeah, right, I have to introduce myself. Yes. Hi. You don't know who I am. <laughs> yeah. So, I, Dumbledore, at this point, when he meets Harry, I don't believe, he just knows that Harry the Horcrux, some people do, I, there's a blog post explaining why I don't think that. But regardless, he knows that Harry eventually is going to battle Voldemort. Mm -hmm. And so probably the idea that you should be focusing on what you can do, the, the now, the, the future, what's accomplishable, that's not a word, but able to be accomplished. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked if that was said somewhat deliberately as a, you know, he's not, he's trying to, to make him into somebody who is more down to earth, who is more... Maybe not practically minded necessarily, but future minded, mm -hmm. um, accomplishing goals with, rather, rather than looking backward. Mm -hmm. I was so again Dumbledore manipulation <laughs> yes. from the start. Of course, it might have just been a comment about the mirror of said. It could be. There's you never know with Dumbledore. That's the thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't necessarily want to take that interaction and twist it that way. Necessarily, it just. My little my little snowflake heart does not want to I do don't that. Either. But I I don't either. When I look at that interaction, I think Dumbledore's just imparting wisdom. But mm -hmm. we're looking today at Dumbledore through the lens of everything he does <laughs> is he's because he's the worst. <laughs> and and to be fair, even if he is the worst and he did have ulterior motives, that's not a terrible thing to be teaching a kid. No, to no, be no. forward thinking, even regardless of who Voldemort is to Harry, it's not a terrible thing to try to teach him to to look towards the future, not the past. Yeah. Not become obsessed with the past, I think. You know, because you learn lessons from your past. And you need yeah. to you need to be able to look back at your past with honest eyes. And move forward with it. Right. But again, he's 11 years, so there's not yeah. much in his past at that point. <laughs> I mean, well, on. technically, yes. He has a lot of trauma in his past and a lot of things. and Yeah, but not like mistakes that he's made. True, 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 all. true. Okay, yes, that's true. I was about to be like, mm, he's had a lot of life experiences, yeah, Taylor. he has. But as far as things that he's learned from from his past at that point. Right. You know. Uh, that book also is the Death is But the Next Great Adventure. Um, it reminds me of Peter Pan every time. Are Peter Pan, is he dead? No, no, no. There's a quote along that line oh. in Peter Pan. Anyway. Okay. So. Maybe inspired by Peter Pan. Possibly. Um, and again, it's an odd thing to say to an 11-year-old. Mm-hmm. And, again, I don't think Dumbledore at this point is planning for his death. Foreshadowing. I think he knows it is very possible that he will have a young well, death at that point. True. I mean, just with, like, Voldemort coming back, you know, the war and all that. Things on the horizon that I think yeah. he was wise enough to see and know that probably he would see in his lifetime or... Yeah. I mean, he, again, knew that he would confront Voldemort and there was probably a very good chance that he wouldn't survive. And mm -hmm. I'm sure, like you said, there's a very good chance he'd see other people die. So, mm -hmm. again, not bad lessons to be teaching mm -hmm. that, you know, of course, in this fantasy world, whatever you believe about the afterlife and death. <laughs> Notwithstanding. Yes. In Harry Potter world, they, you know, go to some sort of afterlife where they, you know, reap rewards of some sort. So... Or not. <laughs> or, or or they become a sliver of Voldemort's soul and it's really creepy and sad. Yep. Anyway, so in that context, it's not a, a bad thing to be trying to instill some understanding that, that death is not something to, you know, be scared of. 
Mm-hmm. And he says other things about death, like uh, it is the unknown that we fear when we look on death and darkness. So, and that at that point, he doesn't know Harry's Horcrux. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> Full stop. That's not in the first book, guys. <laughs> no, that was in the sixth one. Yeah. And he absolutely knows. So he, he does try to shape Harry's thinking on a lot of things, including death. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's would have seemed unnecessary if we di- didn't know now what we know about the prophecy and about Harry being a Horcrux. It would have seemed odd. It's, it's, he's an orphan, so there's no one else to teach him these things, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when you look at the through the lens of Dumbledore trying to prepare Harry for everything he's everything he says, it does kind of get dark pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also have, but he does have some really good quotes. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and they are good life lessons. Yeah. I mean, even the pure nerve and outstanding courage when he gives Harry points. He never really reprimands Harry for, you know, not... Blatant favoritism. Yeah. And... That's not great. Putting himself in extreme risk. I mean, he could have articulated himself to McGonagall better. McGonagall shouldn't have just dismissed him, but there were other ways of going about his... Than yeah. just jumping down a trapdoor into the unknown. But Dumbledore <laughs> calls it pure nerve, nerve and outstanding courage. <laughs> Which is not great when you look at the rest of Harry's. I mean, like, that's like encouragement for him yeah. to keep doing these harebrained schemes. Yeah. And okay, the first book, I get. Harry went to a teacher and he was dismissed. Okay, so he took it into his own hands. The second book... Oh my He's goodness. in the staff room with all the staff, and he knows where the chamber is and what's inside, and we never really find out what happens. I mean, they just wait until all the teachers leave and then creep out, but, like, why don't you just say... Tell them. Tell them. It would have been so easy. They were all right there. I know. At a staff meeting. At a, at a staff meeting. Sorry, that's another tangent, <laughs> but... Offered up to you to talk to. All literally in the same all room as you. And, and one of them would have believed you. And they, I mean, maybe Harry, I mean, he's 12, and didn't understand that the teachers were just trying to get rid of Lockhart and actually believed that Lockhart was going to be able to accomplish getting the Chamber Secrets. But Harry's usually more perceptive than that. Yeah. He must have known that they were just trying to get him out of the way. And that it was, anyway, sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. I, I have the same frustrations with that book. I mean, there are a lot of good things about the book, yeah. but that, that moment, it's just like, That's when they need Hermione. Yes. <laughs> And then most of the adventures after that are unavoidable, or he does make an effort to get in touch with somebody, but the second book is the one that just doesn't really make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. But he did get supremely encouraged at the end of the first book to keep doing harebrained schemes. Yes. And there you are... You know, like, he did not have any consequences from that. Right. Other than, you know, his own general well-being. But everything turned out fine. He, you know... Technically, didn't even need to rescue the stone, but quote rescued the stone. Yeah, he, he got it out, got it out of its very safe and secure place, and then rescued. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, not really. Doesn't really help the situation. Yeah, not it still would have found the ark, and their faces would have melted. Yeah, um, but you know, but then he gets fifty house points, and I mean, everybody they save the day, they win, they get the house cup. Uh, Yeah. And there are those who believe that Dumbledore was very deliberately trying to create a reckless and person who had no 
regard for his own safety and, you know, threw himself into dangerous situations. I don't think Dumbledore was, like, grooming him in that way. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he saw it as a bad thing that Harry had that kind of natural inclination that right. he would kind of jump into the fray as necessary. Right. I don't I don't really think he sought to curb no. at all. Because he wanted Harry to be that sacrificial lamb leader but he, figure. But, again, at this point, I believe he wasn't trying to make him sacrificial. He was trying to just make sure that he was True. Active, I guess that does would, come later. Would jump into... A f- would, would stand right. up would for stand what was right. Yeah. Would was willing to enter the, that arena as necessary. Yeah, brave. He was trying to cultivate the brave aspect yeah. of Harry's Gryffindorness. Yes. Which is not really necessary. Harry's got that covered. No, nope, he does. Um, the moment when Dumbledore, I feel, crosses the line with when he's trying to mold Harry is right after Harry learns about the Horcruxes. Mm-hmm. It's the middle of the night. Harry's just gotten Slughorn drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and manipulated his memory out of him. Yeah. <laughs> and then rushed back to Gryffindor Great Town. life lessons, guys. Yes. That was not a stellar... I mean, it was masterfully done. <laughs> but he has feelings to leave. Not a great moment on anybody's part. No. Oh, Hagrid and Slughorn both getting drunk in front of a student. Oh. And then Harry taking advantage of him in his inebriated state. That just sounds bad. <laughs> that did sound bad. <laughs> Taking advantage of his inebriated state to get information for Dumbledore. There we go. There we go. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so then he finds out that Dumbledore is back, and he runs up to Dumbledore's office. And they look at the memory, mm-hmm. and their both motions are pretty high at this point, because they finally got it done. Harry's accomplished his goal. Dumbledore's finally seen the memory. And so they're kind of, like, not that they don't get real, if you will, in other parts of the series, but it's kind of a more raw moment, I think, mm-hmm. other than, you know, when Harry destroyed his office, but, yeah, but without the, without the recent death of his godfather, too, aside things. And Dumbledore works really hard to get Harry almost, like, excited about the fact that he's going to have to kill Voldemort one day, mm-hmm. like, kind of vengeful thinking, kind of, I mean, part of it is, is good. Part of the speech is about how, you know, it's his, not about prophecy, it's about Harry's choices. It's mm-hmm. about, you know, doing what's right, not just because he has to. But it's also, you know, basically saying you want to kill Voldemort, admit it. Yeah. Until he does. Yeah. And that's not a great color on Dumbledore again, or Harry. No. <laughs> He's 16. So. The baby. I feel like that's when, like, the, somewhat the mask comes off of Dumbledore's more, more subtle manipulations where... I feel like the mask comes off of Dumbledore a lot in the sixth book. Yeah. Um, which, you I mean, even more in the seventh after he's dead, but it just... Especially, we talked about that with Snape, because that's the book where he and Snape have that conversation about, you know, you've been raising him as a lamb for the slaughter, right? Like... It would have I mean, been during that It would have been during that timeline, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, obviously you don't find that out until the seventh, but just you really kind of start to see and I think maybe it was like the pressure and Dumbledore knew he was dying you know like he knew his time was coming to an end so he wouldn't be there to be the fail safe if something were to go wrong or you know things like that so he just was feeling more of the pressure that he had to impart into Harry this like more of a drive than Harry already even had um (laughs) which was already a lot but you know I think he he was taking out his worry that Harry wouldn't have the drive to see it through. I never really thought about it but like that. That 
I mean, obviously Dumbledore was aware of his own approaching death, but that it kind of changed how he related to people because he just didn't have the time to do it. Yeah. And he didn't, didn't have the assurance that he'd be there later to... Yeah. I feel like this whole, that whole book, he's just more abrupt and more curt with his dealings and very much more purposeful in everything that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, but he fails to take into account feelings and yes. age and, you know all of the things that he'd been somewhat more mindful about, you know, when Harry's growing up. Um, and he also knows Harry's a horcrux at this point, you know, so. Yeah. For, for those of you who are curious, I believe Victoria can disagree or agree that he found out for sure about the horcrux at Christmas of the fifth book or thereabouts. I would agree with that. And then he kind of spent part of the, when he's on the run from the ministry, trying to figure out what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Again, if you want to find out all my reasoning, there is... <laughs> There, yeah. There's more to it that on the blog, but that he's trying to figure out what to do. And then by the time we see him again in the beginning of the sixth book, he knew that Harry had to die. Yeah. Oh, I would agree with it. I think, for me also, I, I feel like he... Not like he was praising Harry for slaughter earlier, like the Snape's words that we were using. Um, but I feel like he views Harry as a pawn for a lot of Harry's childhood. I think he views... Most Pretty much everybody a pawn. as a pawn. Yeah. Um, I feel like his motivations aren't as pure as I think we as readers, because we're seeing things through Harry's lens, are conditioned to see, you know, until you get to kind of this point in the last book and stuff where you really kind of see the mask come off and you're able to look back on past yeah. things. So, no, he didn't. I No, I agree. He didn't 100% know that Harry was a Horcrux until around that time that you mentioned, but... I still don't think maybe his motivations were completely as pure as, like, being a surrogate grandfather or something to Harry, and that wasn't... Part of... I mean, one of the good things about Dumbledore is that he is focused on the greater good of, you know, humanity. One of the bad things about Dumbledore is that he's micro-focused on the greater good of humanity at the expense of... Everything. Everything, yeah. And he... He's willing to sacrifice others' well-being and sometimes their lives in order to accomplish it. We see it with Harry. We see it with Sirius, with Snape, certainly. Mm-hmm. His own students. I mean, mm-hmm. there was dangerous things at the school that he just kind of let happen. Yeah. Even yeah. Moody, who was after his death, he still managed to put him at risk. Yeah. Like, when he knew that that battle was going to happen and he didn't know who was going to die, but it's probably a good chance somebody would. And it, even if it was his portrait. Like, he... He's happily to, like you said, general moving moving the pieces on the chessboard, and often without their knowledge or consent. Consent, yeah. There, that, that's one of his one of his defining characteristics. One of a, a subset of his manipulativeness is that he just withholds right. information from people that is relevant to them that they should know. I mean, Harry being a Horcrux, that's kind of Harry's business, <laughs> you know. Kind of, you know, oh, just his life. I mean, and and Snape, his mind, and you know. Like, Newt Scamander, when he sent him to the Americas to, uh, uh, ostensibly, to release the Thunderbird, but really he was trying to get information on Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. Like, he he just doesn't, he has a god complex. Mm-hmm. Very, very From very early on. Complex, god complex, yes. Yeah, I mean, you see that with what we learn about his younger years and things that happened to his sister. You know, we just... It almost turns him into a dark lord, because he yeah. believes he has, he's... The autonomous authority on everything. Right. 
Right. It's true. And I think, you know, that's an interesting point of it almost turns him into a dark lord. I mean, obviously you know that, and but it's interesting to like hear that actually said out loud because I always, I then think that maybe, I mean, obviously he doesn't want Voldemort to win because <laughs> evil, uh, <laughs> you know, but I think he can understand Tom. Yeah. You know, at, at a deeper level than most people do. Maybe that's why he never liked him. And maybe that's why he was so wary of him. Because he could see it. Because it also maybe was kind of his mirror in some yeah. ways. I don't I don't think that they ever were completely alike. I think Tom is way more sadistic than Dumbledore yeah. was. Dumbledore was arrogant. It's actually funny that you are talking about this. Because I the blog post I'm working on to publish ah! tomorrow is about Voldemort versus Dumbledore. I'll Look send it to you before I publish it, though. Okay. Since I... Anyway, um, what was I gonna say? Oh, yeah, see, the, the thing though is Dumbledore's motivation for becoming a Dark Lord, that sounds like that was his goal, it, it would have been the result, but it was it, in his own twisted sort of way altruistic. Dumbledore believed that he was in that had the moral saving the high magical ground. community, but, yes, yes, that he was morally right. Mm-hmm. He would have believed that he was good, and then he and tried to convince everybody that he is this benign overlord that is doing the best for everybody. Yeah, and truly believed that of himself. Voldemort does not. No, no, no. Voldemort no. has no care for anything except for his own power and immortality. Yeah, yeah. So very different motivations, but yeah, I think he he can see he could see the power and understands a bit of Tom's drive and yeah. Because he, Dumbledore genuinely believes that he knows best about everything. Yeah. Right and wrong, magic, other people's lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he, and he, that belief allows him to kind of hold everything close to himself, make those unilateral decisions. Right. And he set himself up in a way in the magical community that he won his influence over all of the young impressionable minds coming forward to make and be in those high strategic positions or even low positions, but to influence them. Yeah. And two, to actually have influence among the adults in a more of a background's capacity, but you know, his position as, you know, chief supreme mugwup or whatever that is. And I mean, without actually having like minister of magic or yeah. something, he's, he's not going to be targeted that much. So that way, like the press looks at you or people look at you and criticize every, dis- he's, he's going to be seen as this benign, gregarious almost like not grandfather figure but you know like he's going to be seen kind of kooky like we were talking about earlier he could say these weird things and know how it's going to come across yeah and and he set himself up in this position of power of having all this power but not having the titles necessarily of power you know i mean it's masterful it's masterful it's it's not I don't know quite right, but it's masterful what he's done. Yeah. So he can he's, do all of these things in the background. The problem with Dumbledore is that he's equal. He's very self-aware, but also very self-deluded. He knows that if he were minister, he would have a constant temptation to do what kind of Fudge did, mm-hmm. where just kind of unilaterally, once he realizes that he's right and no one else is, just do things and that that's not okay. Right. And he also knows that he's very, very intelligent. He's and. In, in, Always I mean, he, the most intelligent person, person in the room, yeah. the most powerful person in the room. Like he, you know, forgive the lack of, of seemly modesty, sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. he just he knows that he there's no reason to be modest. But and he knows all of that those other things, people know it too. Yeah, exactly. But all of those things then that that self awareness creates 
this delusion of grandeur of this godlike complex that he he's never really confronted with like no one ever I mean he's right which is also part of the problem <laughs> like no one ever told him what you did to Harry sending him to a, a house where he was abused and leaving him there even though you knew what was going on like no one ever confronted with him with that the fact that he the war was one was totally down to Dumbledore but the way he did it was not okay no. and no one told him that he he died fully justified in yeah what I mean, he did the plan that he set up that he orchestrated and you know everything went to plan technically yeah I mean and everybody was kind of in awe of him or hated him yeah there was no one there was never a reality check for Dumbledore Mm-mm. or a any sort of accountability for what he did yeah because the people who hated him were the people that he was actively working against so he didn't care that they hated him yeah. or they weren't going to be helpful in his plan so he discounted them yeah let's talk a little bit about let's go back a little bit i think we were talking about how he let's get more specific into how he puts others well-being in jeopardy okay um we'll get to harry last because this is the most obvious and yeah let's talk about talk about serious oh Sirius is the happiest he's ever been in the book series in the fourth book. Yeah. When he's on the run, he can just be go free and do... in the sunshine. Yes. And he's having the time of his life and he's healthy. Yeah. And he's in contact with Harry, even if it is somewhat sporadic, but yeah, he's able to be a more uncle figure. I would never put him as a father figure, really, yeah. but an uncle figure. I think Voldemort would know. Some... Dumbledore described him as a mixture between brother and father. Which I guess could be uncle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Harry's never had a father, really. Yeah. So I think he wants to put Sirius in that box, but I don't think Sirius is responsible enough to put in that box. No, certainly not. So So, Sirius had issues after Azkaban, and I don't think it's his fault that he had some trouble, you know, the the spot he was in Harry's life. And plus, Sirius just had issues with responsibility anyway before Azkaban, so. Yeah. You have... He was, like, 21 Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he couldn't get there. We just, I mean, that's a huge part of his life. He's been in a crazy prison, so. Crazy. (laughs) It's a crazy prison. You go crazy and you're in prison. Crazy prison. And so, like, yeah, I mean, we never see him develop. I I can't say whether or not he would have, I think he probably would have risen to the occasion, honestly, if he had baby Harry to care for and didn't get sent to prison. But I still think he would be, like, a fun fun dad yeah I think he if he hadn't gone to Azkaban I think he would have been very very protective of Harry and that and that would have made all the difference Mm -hmm. yeah he wouldn't have been a super responsible caregiver but I think he would have had a happier childhood but I think also Remus would have been around to help balance it that's true Remus is responsible enough we've actually talked about this before too so yeah go back to our episodes about what the what what could have been of Harry series last Christmas I think not 2020 Christmas, but 2019 Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, that was like our first was... Christmas episode, what it would have been like, Sirius and Harry. Aww. Yeah. Good times. Sad episode. <laughs> All right. Moving All right, on. Moving on. <laughs> oh, so, yes, we see him happy and thriving in book four, and then he comes back for Harry, which is why I think he would have, mm-hmm. he would have stuck by Harry and been protective of him, even if he, you know, wasn't a responsible caregiver. Yeah. So I still he see comes him back. as uncle. Yeah. He, he comes back, doesn't... I mean, Harry enjoys his presence, but it doesn't actually affect 
Harry's gonna do what Harry's gonna do. Yeah, he sees them like once, and and that's about it. It doesn't. He's not able to do anything. Mm -hmm. It's the right choice to come back for his godson. That said, it would have been a better outcome, I think, if he had stayed doing what he had been doing on the run, talking to Harry through letters. Yes, it it was probably the right choice. Just it was not. Yes, I agree. I agree with you completely. Um. I think what you're trying to say is like his mental health. It was not good for him. Like it was a it was the right it was the responsible choice to come back for Harry. But it set him back so much. And it set him up for when Voldemort came back. Yeah. Vol- he, Dumbledore, he was back in a place where Dumbledore not that Dumbledore's main aim was to control him, but he couldn't help the order. He was still on the run. And he felt useless. Without being able to actually run. <laughs> he was yeah, he was useless. Mm-hmm. And if he had still been abroad, then he would still have not been useful to the Order. But I feel like that's when, when the Order reformed and Dumbledore asked to use his house. And then he was stuck in that house. With the demons of the past. Yes. that And Dumbledore knew that it was he was deteriorating. Mm-hmm. There was no way to avoid the fact that Sirius was deteriorating. Um and I'm not saying you should have just, like, let him start running around because he was still wanted. But there was a better situation somewhere than yeah. what happened. Yeah. And Dumbledore was the one enforcing it. And because everybody's in awe of Dumbledore, or hates him, and happens to be the ones that are in awe of him, yeah. they let it happen. Right. And I I never really completely understand why Dumbledore, one, didn't work harder to help Sirius get a, you know, like, to get a trial after the second time when he came back and... With all the things with Peter, I mean, Penn Seeds, and, you know, I mean, it's hard to yeah. fake those memories. And there are a bunch of witnesses, even Snape, like, technically, right? With He was kind of unconscious for part of that. But I think he'd woken up. He Maybe never he saw woke Pettigrew. Up. Oh, he never saw Pettigrew. Well. Yeah, um, he's, he's a vindictive and childish at the end of the book three, but he does, a, he does believe he's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, I thought he... Baby had woken up right in time, but it all happened really fast right then. But you had a bunch of witnesses, you know, and we didn't know Pensieves really were. Pretty sure about that thing back then. I think you're right. I think you're right. But he he wanted Harry to go back to the Dursleys. Yes, I. Which I know you're trying to hold out of us getting there, so I'll yeah. I'll just say that, and we don't have to talk about it quite yet. But we will talk about it. Yeah, I. That is po- the coldest interpretation of Dumbledore's choice at the end of the third book. I don't think I'm wrong. I think that if Dumbledore, that, that can't, I don't believe that's the only reason. Because Dumbledore, like I said, had a lot of sway over both Harry and Sirius. And if he had said Harry needs to go back to the Dursleys for two weeks, they might have, you know, been upset about it, moaned about it. But he could have made it happen, even if Sirius was free. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore has, like I said, he was able to convince Sirius to spend an entire year in a house he hates doing nothing. Well, yeah, because he trusted Dumbledore absolutely, which I don't think you should do. No, ever. but but they but he did. But so, yeah, I mean, again, he was conditioned when he was younger to trust Dumbledore completely. So I, I, th- I think that maybe there was some of that, mm-hmm. but I don't think that was Dumbledore. Like, if that were the only obstacle, Dumbledore could have overcome it because he, like I said, he could have convinced them. He could have made it happen. They all just kind of agreed with whatever Dumbledore says. So I, I don't think that serious. You know, saying, Harry wants to come live with me would have been the end of the Dursleys being Harry's sure. quote-unquote home. 
Um, anyway, so I don't blame Dumbledore for Sirius's death, but it was part of a, he was part definitely part of the downward spiral that ended in his death, mm -hmm. and I don't think Dumbledore really regretted it. Not like he was very. I think Sirius kind of was a bit of a wild card. That honestly, I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't have, it wasn't desirable for Harry to be in that much pain and for Sirius to be gone, but I think it was nice to not have that contingency to plan for. I mean, his conversation. Being the coldest that I can be. Yeah. I mean, the conversation right after Sirius's death, Dumbledore never really seems to, I mean, he expresses. I think he's more sorry that Harry's going regret. through pain. Yeah, but he doesn't. You know, he he talks badly about him. Mm -hmm. Not that he was wrong, but he he basically says Sirius brought this on himself, sort of, and he hated creature and treated him badly. So he didn't say he deserved to die, but he he's very cold about it. Mm -hmm. And whether or not that's just he was trying to put on a brave face for Harry, or whether he actually felt very little emotion about the fact that Sirius was dead, it's it's not a good color. No. Of course, we also have Severus Snape, mm. who was the most well-informed of Dumbledore's <laughs> victims, if you want to call them that. <laughs> victims. <laughs> yeah, okay. There we go. Um, true. He definitely could had seen, could see, well, maybe not had seen until probably the sixth book with that conversation that we talked about where he really gets to see. Well, I don't know. When he first approaches Dumbledore... And Dumbledore basically says... But he seems so shocked, in a way. I think... Okay, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Like, for, like when he approaches Dumbledore after the prophecy has been made, and Voldemort decides he's going after Lily Potter and her son, like, Dumbledore, I feel confident that he would have protected the Potters regardless. Mm -hmm. Like, I... That's never, like, really been a question in yeah. my mind. But he implies to state that he won't, unless he does something for him. And takes on a very, very dangerous uh, position as spy for, for Dumbledore. On forever. Dumbledore. Yeah, forever. Like, that. that's pretty cold. That's, yeah. uh, like I said, I don't I don't believe that Dumbledore would have just left them out in the cold to right. die. Right, I think he was definitely playing that so he could get a very valuable, not ally, but kind of ally. You know, like, yeah. he could have a very valuable bargaining chip then to use with Snape. I think he saw that he could get Two things that he wanted yeah. with that. And, and Snape was incredibly emotional at the time. I'm sure if it had been a less stressful and heightened situation that he would have probably known that, realized that. But he, the Dumbledore took the stance of, what can you do for me if I'm going to do anything for you? And that kind of ruins the benign overlord. Oh, yeah. Overlord. Altruistic. <laughs> yeah. The image. Yeah. Image. Image. <laughs> yeah, but I, I do think that I know that I means Severus obviously can see through Dumbledore very quickly, but I do feel like that conversation that he's talking about, you know, when Harry, when Dumbledore reveals that Harry has to die, Snape yeah. seems genuinely shocked that he's very, he's, he's stone cold. Yeah. Maybe it's the delivery or maybe it's, I don't know, but Snape seems extremely shocked by it. And he's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that type of, you know, or just like yeah. how, how, how and I don't know if it's just like maybe he thought Harry just had a different 
position in Dumbledore's mind where he would never do that to Harry or, you know, maybe Harry, he thought Harry was the exception or I don't, I don't quite know, but he does seem genuinely shocked in that yeah. moment about how cold Dumbledore is. Yeah. I with mean, the whole thing. Talking about Sirius's death, Dumbledore talks about that fairly uh, stoically, maybe a little coldly, but, but talking about Harry's death, he was a, to the nth degree <laughs> that like he, he acted like Dumble like Snape was being absolutely ridiculous for thinking that maybe this was mm-hmm. not that, that this was bad. Like this was a cold and cruel thing to do. Like don't be shocked. Like come on, fuck yeah. up. You've seen people die. Get over it. Yeah, it's war. Yeah. So, and then, <laughs> and then immediately once when Snape continues to express how awful this is, he then turns it around to another emotional manipulation. Yeah. Like. Have you actually started to care for the boy? How sweet. Like, you know, trying to get him to... Yeah. He's... Yeah, that scene is hard. Mm-hmm. That um, I, I always felt that probably the and don't I always... be shocked Separus, how many people have you seen die? That line probably just gutted Harry. Yeah. And I honestly, I don't even know if Harry could possibly process that in that moment. With, oh, yeah. After, on top of everything else. You know, like, I think he, he's already processing the thing about, like, he has to die. And I wonder if that... That all maybe I don't even think hit him in that moment because I don't think he would have had quite as pleasure pleasurable of an exchange <laughs> with Dumbledore in the afterlife area that they you yeah. know um, I I bet that probably hit him later. Yeah, I mean Harry at that point has had so much information. He's realized he has to die. He's gone through so much trauma over the last couple months. With he, he has nothing. He's by the time he's walking out to that forest, that's like emotionally he's done. Just yeah. He, it says he doesn't cry, which is probably terribly unhealthy that mm-hmm. he just realized that he's going to die and he, he just doesn't have anything in him to dedicate to that to that realization. He's almost glad. Yeah. I mean, he had be semi-suicidal thoughts before during the book. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he would ever surrendered in another situation, but he's he's done. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was super happy. Yeah. Um, so Severus Snape, he... He is more knowingly throws himself into Dumbledore's lack of concern for his own, for his well being. Um, the students, of course, are completely. Unaware. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just I mean, I mean, he does tell them don't go to the third floor unless you want to die. So I guess they're <laughs> not completely unaware. <laughs> it starts off on a weird note yeah and yeah. every year every year let's but just... i mean like he lets the nest of acromantulas live on the grounds <laughs> yeah that happened back in the 40s when hagrid first was expelled and it's like this year it was so it wasn't like a he's probably doesn't make these decisions because he was preparing harry to die no he was trying to was... get him to you know confront these evils he was just just reckless eh. They're off in the woods somewhere. Just don't go in the woods, kids. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Acromantulas, yeah, but... And Fluffy, yes, he told them not to, but... I, you have I don't hundreds think the Sorcerer's, of children. I don't think the Sorcerer's Stone was about Harry. Well, some people no. do. But it, who, who thought that was a great, good idea? <laughs> like, who was like, you know what? The best place for the Sorcerer's Stone would be behind an elaborate series of traps that are... The tip of the spear is a three-headed dog who will kill them. Yep. Yeah. So it, those plans seem less like, more like he doesn't care about the collateral. Like mm-hmm. he's not manipulating the students to do anything or be in dangerous situations. Oh, for just, him, he warned them. Yeah. So they should know. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> agreeing it, to the Triwizard Tournament that kills people. <laughs> yes. 
I, I think, let's say... Historically. Somebody had wandered across a terribly poorly guarded fluffy, which could be opened by a first year, um, and, and died. I think Dumbledore would genuinely, genuinely regret that student's death. But the fact that he did take more measures to prevent it... Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Okay, so we've already kind of talked about battles he sent people into without them realizing that they were going to be battles. Seven Potters, I'm looking at you. In case you guys don't know which one that one is, that's the beginning yes. of the seventh book when they're getting Harry on his birthday. And they're yes. flying mm-hmm. to the burrow. Which is, I love that, the scene right before that battle. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's funny. So, let's talk about Dumbledore's handling of Harry. During that battle? Or? In, in general. Oh, we've, no. We've arrived. We've arrived. I mean, there, I'm sure there are Buckle many in, examples kids. we could take, but I think we've hit the highlights. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've already kind of talked about it, but, um, I mean, do we start at the beginning? <laughs> Dropping him off at the Dursleys? Just a note? Yes. I suppose we should. In the middle of the night. A baby on the doorstep. Yeah. I, I'm going to give him the slight benefit of the doubt here and assume that he puts some sort of protective charms on him. What? Wordlessly, because... That would be an incredibly stupid move if he didn't. And Dumbledore is many things, but he's not actually stupid. I mean, wandering raccoon <laughs> without some sort of protection. Ravy. Yeah. So let's. I, I'm going to assume that. Yeah. Wandering that's okay. raccoon. <laughs> anyway, so let's like let's assume that he was safe on the doorstep. I I feel like it's it would be a disservice to Dumbledore to not assume that much, but. He did, in the middle of the night, write a note explaining that somebody did not have an option except to adopt this stranger's, not stranger's, but adopt this strange baby who she's never seen before, and that it's not really her choice. No one's going to let her back out, nope. and probably hinted that, no, actually, I think we've confirmed that he said that he'd be watching. Yes, he did, because I think that was why she really took in the baby, was was worried about the repercussions. Yeah. So, I mean, even if Petunia was a lovely person, which she was not, I mean, that was that's not okay. It's not great to wake up and have a baby on the doorstep and have no one there to explain why it happened, to find out that your sister is dead in a note, and then that you have to raise her son, no matter what your feelings are about it. Mm-hmm. Um, if she'd been a good person, she would have welcomed Harry and, you know. Yeah. If she had uh, you know, loved her sister. <laughs> right. I think save your resentment for the person who wrote the note. Don't take it out on the child. Yeah. But she didn't no. love her sister. Or her nephew. Or her nephew. And people say Pitt Dumbledore should have checked up on Harry. Dumbledore knew exactly what was happening to Harry. He put a spy in the neighborhood. And that spy once told him that she couldn't be nice to him or else the Dursleys wouldn't let her see him. Mm-hmm. Like, she knew what the Dursleys were like. She mm-hmm. knew exactly what was going on in the house. And she was pointing to Dumbledore, seemed to be doing so with pretty, you know, regularity with, with detail. With details, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but of course, we don't know for sure exactly, like the you know monthly update sort of system while Harry was young. But she was on top of things when the adventures attacked um, when he was fifteen. Mm-hmm. So let's assume that she kept him pretty pretty well in the loop. And both she and Dumbledore just decided that was an okay state of affairs. Um, Harry was treated poorly, emotionally abused, mm-hmm. not told about magic, um, told, told lies. Told that he was worthless. Yeah. Lived in a cupboard. Was yeah. locked in a cupboard. And it's 
maybe that level of detail, it could be argued Dumbledore didn't know. Harry probably didn't talk about being locked in a cupboard because he mm-hmm. probably was threatened not to. That's, you know, how children of abuse are, are, you know, they usually don't, you know, just volunteer information. But Dumbledore knew mm-hmm. that it was not okay, that he was being treated poorly, um, that he was not loved. And he just let it happen. Yep. And sent him back there. Yeah. Over Harry's vocal protests. And, which is not okay in the first place. But then, after Harry was deeply traumatized in, by Cedric's death, by his own torture. No counseling. No, nothing. He no comfort. basically equi- put in the equivalent of a box, a windowless box, and with no information, no contact from his friends, no nothing. I mean, he had contact, but no I mean, meaningful well, contact. True. He didn't have contact, though, like his first summer home. Yeah, that wasn't Dumbledore's fault. That was true. But he... I, I think that Dumbledore truly believed that the the blood magic that he enacted from Lily's sacrifice was worth it. Like I said, he's... But he's I feel like... It's the first lead dedicated to the greater Okay, Green. but I feel like that doesn't make any of the other stuff worth it, like cutting Harry off from... Right, you know... That was a separate issue somewhat, I feel like. The... That was just, and he admitted that mistake, which is a very rare thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that maybe we we'll revisit that in a, in a second. Mm-hmm. But there's very, very little justification. That is the that is the only justification for what Dumbledore did with, with regards to Harry and the Dursleys, and the fact that he just did it without anybody's like permission or say so or any sort of well we talked know, about that process. Dumbledore I feel like he knows best and yeah like that was the kind of thing he was trying to avoid by not becoming minister but he did it anyway in Harry's case <laughs> yeah yeah you know he just made a unilateral decision and then made it happen and it was the wrong one and he never really acknowledged that he I'm sure that there were alternative options if he had really been that determined to keep the him with in a way that the blood magic would still work. I mean, do ancient do ancient blood rituals really care about delineation of apartment numbers? True. Maybe he could have moved them to a flat, and then Harry in a different flat in the same building, and it's still living in the same place being home. Like, there had to be ways around what happened. Right. And he did not take them. That, I think... Yeah, because he had a solution that worked. And no matter what the mental, physical toll of it was on the person who actually had to live out the consequences of his decision, it was a situation that worked. So he wasn't going to change it. Right. And knowing now what we do from Fantastic Beasts, that obscurials exist, Mm. and that probably, potentially, Ariana was one of them. And that Harry was very close to becoming one of them. Yeah. I don't think that Harry... Ever would have actually become one. Like, no. his character is not one that was trotted down. He, right. He did not respect the Dursleys. He didn't really care what they thought. Yeah, he had all the background to become one. Yeah, but the way he was treated, certainly, in a different show. Like, if Neville had been put with the Dursleys, I think Neville would have become an Obscurial. Or Obscurus. I miss... I mm. mix the two up. Yeah. Um, but, so, Harry, I think, just by virtue of his his personality and, and how he is, w- was fine. But Dumbledore took a large gamble on that, 
and he had to know that there could have been very severe consequences if Harry had not had that resilience. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I feel like this is the point. Like, most of the other things that Dumbledore does can be either explained away in a different way or can be kind of seen as a, a trade-off where, yeah, he had to just make the hard call as the general. Yeah. This one, I think this is why people are inclined to not give him that benefit of the doubt in other right. situations. Because, I mean... May not like the other things, but yet it did all turn out really, you know, they won. Yeah. It's the general, you, you make the hard calls, people don't like your decisions all the time, but you win, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> or you and put no your best effort into it. Get guilt people or put them in dangerous situations or withhold information, they won. Yeah. This, uh, though, this is hard to. Yeah. Here is a child, and even when he is in Hogwarts years, He's still a child. He's still a child. And when Harry, when Dumbledore isolates him and puts... So much pressure. Especially, okay, that fifth, that fifth book, that's Whoa. when he yeah. just ices Harry completely. And it's Harry not really for a great reason. Like, he explains himself, and yeah, okay, but what exactly was going to happen if Voldemort believed that Dumbledore and Harry knew each other well? Like, there, there wasn't really going to be that rate of consequences. There, yes, he said maybe he'll try to get into Harry's mind more often, but that ship would sailed already. It was happening. Mm-hmm. So the that one is was kind of the bottom of Dumbledore's dealings with Harry, and I think he kind of tried to make up for it in the sixth book. Mm-hmm. But it's also the only time that he really acknowledges that I screwed up, and. So I'm less inclined to be mad at him about that because he admits that the reasons were flimsy mm-hmm. and he admits that it was the wrong call. Yeah. But right. <laughs> it, it was horrible of him to do it in the first place, especially to ask his friends to keep him in the dark. He had to know he was deeply traumatized and desperate for any sort of support. Yeah. Um, and that's what kind of turned Harry into this extremely emotional yeller. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Poor Ron and Hermione. I, know. I mean, I don't. I think they were in the wrong too. I think they were as well, but they did get a lot of the brunt of that. Yeah. And maybe the first time they deserved it. The second time when they suggested Harry form the DA and he just like went off. Yeah. That was not their their fault. No. Anyway. Um. So yeah, Dumbledore and he, I mean he's very good at manipulating Harry. Like when Harry doesn't get Dumbledore's, sorry, when Harry doesn't get Slughorn's memory at first and, like, laid on the guilt trip. So bad. So, so well. bad. Like, it was... I know. It was beautiful. But also horrible. Yeah, so much that Harry had to, you know, use this borderline, not-quite-ethical potion yeah. to get it, you know, like, because yeah. he didn't want to let him down. Yeah. And, I mean, even after Dumbledore's death, even when Harry knew that Dumbledore had was not perfect. That Dumbledore, like he, he had realized he'd known what Dumbledore had at least considered doing. Mm-hmm. Um, like at that point, I don't know that it was so much loyalty to Dumbledore as loyalty to what they were trying to accomplish and knowing that Dumbledore knew what he was doing. Yeah. Like, so I won't say that he did it just because it was orders. I think he did it because he knew that those orders were the best chance for victory. Because Dumbledore, he knew Dumbledore was smarter than him and had a longer line of sight toward the end of the war. But he, it takes 
quite a person to manage to convince a 17-year-old a year after his the after death, post-mortem, convince a 17-year-old to voluntarily give up his life at, like, the drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. I, and again, I think that's more indicative of their relationship than necessarily, like, Harry just being so enamored of Dumbledore. Yeah. I think that was, Harry understood enough by then to know that he, you know, mm -hmm. that that was the right call for the war. But still, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's... I think Harry was just so broken by that time. Gotta, broken down, maybe. He wasn't never really broken. You know, he always still had that fight in him in a yeah. way, but at that moment, he just, you know, like you said, he didn't even cry. Just didn't have anything in him. Nothing left. I do kind of... Harry, in the entire book series, never really looks past Voldemort. He never considers the idea of what... I mean, he does think about a career as, like, an abstract idea. Mm-hmm. But, I think that when he gets together with Jenny, a little bit, maybe. But then, you know, they break things off for him to go on the run, and I yeah. think he lets go of that. Yeah. I, I, I have this in my head, this scene of Harry after the war, once, you know, the restoration of the Hogwarts and the ministry are underway, mm -hmm. and things are kind of like, okay. What do I do now? Yeah. I'm sure he always assumed that he's still going to be, become an Auror, but, yeah. like, as a, like, at the at no point in the seventh book does he seem to think that he's going to have an after the war yeah. to live. Yeah. So I think that shift in mindset would have been incredibly jarring for him and, and not really knowing how to proceed because his entire identity had been wrapped up in Voldemort since he was one. Mm -hmm. And now he's gone. Mm -hmm. And I think that that transition to having a separate identity outside of Voldemort and living a life that's not dedicated to that one, a, a singular mission would have been very difficult yeah i would have loved to have read a book on that like if she had written something about that instead of the pro the um epilogue that she didn't give us <laughs> yeah um i mean i don't mind the epilogue but i don't mind it either but like i would have i would have loved to have seen that you know i think there's a lot of really good lessons to be had with that and you find that so much with um book characters like you have sherlock holmes and moriarty and just like different things like that, that people who, whose identity is so wrapped up in beating the bad guy, and then you beat the bad guy, and the book goes happily ever after, but, like, it's not. Yeah. I think Hunger Games did that pretty well. They of, did. Like, showing the consequences yes. of, okay, mm. yes, it, we won, but look, what are we left with? Yeah. Um, what was I say? Before you said Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Would have loved to have seen that in a book. I read about oh. it. Yeah, the, like, one of the, like, when I, like, saddest parts for me, of course there are many sad parts in the last, um... It's a big cry fest. The last book. And this is actually, this isn't in the book, so it's not actually canon, but... Oh. Um, in the movie, at the end, when Harry, like, breaks the stupid elephant wand. And we've talked about this before. <laughs> we've talked about this a couple times. Let's not we do have, that again. We have a disagreeing opinion. I mean, on. I do like this scene, and, like, with him and... Ron and Hermione. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, they just kind of huddle together and breathe. Happens, where they're just like, but then yeah, they're all together. They like have this, you know, deep exhale. That's not you don't deeply exhale. You, this <laughs> loud exhale. This exhale after the end of the war. We're like, okay, this you know. Now, well, I think that's that might be a kind of a now what moment, but it's also like that you have that shot of the three of them, and like you realize they're 
that's it. Like, this is the end of the three of them as we know it. Of mm-hmm. course, they don't call it the Golden Trio. We do. But, like, that... Like, I... Like, the whole series is wrapped up in Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Yeah, sometimes it's not going well. Sometimes they fight. Sometimes, you know, they argue and rob in some occasionally. But, like, them, the three of them being, like, the core and at the end of the day being there and supporting each other and keeping each other's secrets and, you know, yeah. saving each other's lives. Like, that's, that's yeah. you know, foundational. And, like, it always makes me a little melancholy when I, like, watch that and I'm like, Ron and Hermione about to pair off. Harry's going to get back together with Ginny. And, like, it'll never be the three of them again. Being that rock-solid foundation of, of their friendship. Mm-hmm. A little bittersweet. Yeah. We're way off topic. Way off topic. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, that is... I feel like we've kind of covered a lot of Dumbledore. The, the, the main ones of Dumbledore's bad traits. And, at the end of the day, it all kind of comes back to... A, his manipulative nature, and B, his god complex. And those two together, I feel like, create a very dangerous individual. Mm-hmm. And luckily, he was, uh, you know, fighting for the good guys, but in the way he was fighting. <laughs> Raises some ethical questions. Yes. So if you love Dumbledore, great. Great. And I'm not gonna, I'm not going to say I hate everything about Dumbledore. This no. was, episode was dedicated to hating on Dumbledore. Yes, we talked about his good things last time. Yes. Yes, I would agree. I don't blanket hate him either. But I think it's wise to look at a character for who they truly are. Yeah. And I... Good and bad. I I love a lot of things about Dumbledore. There are some things, which we talked about today, that it's hard to look past and and justify. So I hope that you, you know, (laughs) agree with at least some of what we said in either episode (laughs) or both episodes. Let us know your comments, thoughts, Um, opinions. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? What did we forget? What did we forget? That is always a very true yes. one. We, if we had actually wanted to, we probably could have, you know, spent hours prepping all the horrible things or good things that Dumbledore has done. But we only have a certain amount of airtime. Not really, but you guys would not listen for more. Yeah. For too long. So if there's more that you'd like to see in discussion, we'd love to have this discussion. We can revisit this. Yes. Let us know. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and our Patreon page. We'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to hear what your ideas are for future episodes and topics. We want to know what you want to hear about. We hope you'll join us in two weeks for the next episode of Dwelling on Dreams. 